Welcome to episode 7 of the Gym's Cast with your host Joel Kleber and this is the audio replay of one of the most recent Facebook Live hashtag Ask Gym Sessions we did and that was with Catherine Mullenscott and hopefully I pronounced your name right Catherine, I know I know, I got it incorrect before um, we did the show last time. So Catherine for those of you who don't know is the author of Jim's book and it's an awesome read, it's, it's, very, it's very honest, um, I know that Jim filtered nothing out um, from what I know. And Catherine done a really, really great job. She also has her website as well, which is www.catherinemullenscott, uh, I think it's .com. Now, Jim's book is also available for purchase via Amazon and Booktopia. And I recommend you get it. As I said, it's, it's a great read. Now, this just a quick synopsis of this episode. So we had Catherine as the author, and I thought this is one of our better um, Facebook lives. I think there's a few audio issues up to the first 25 minutes, and I apologize for them. We had a new mixer and system based on some technical difficulties we had. But I think after 25 minutes, the audio really cleans up. You know, in this episode, there's probably 50 new things I learned about Jim. Um, you know, there's there's a funny nightclub story. Um, there was also a funny joke he did at the end. And there was also some of what Jim actually watches on TV, which I found quite interesting. I never would have picked it. So if you like this episode, um, make sure to tune into the Facebook live sessions we do on the Jim's Group Head Office Facebook page, which is every Wednesday at 7 o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time. You can also send us questions or feedback via admin at gyms.net. Make sure you follow us on socials as well, um, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well. Jim also has personal profiles, which is at the Jim Penman. And um, if you want to see anyone else on this type of show, just let us know. Um, we appreciate any thoughts or comments, whether they're good or bad, on the podcast especially. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was definitely one of the more um, enjoyable ones, and I learned a lot of stuff about Jim. And I thanks again to Catherine for taking the time to do this. So. We hope you enjoy the episode. Until next time. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Ask Jim, and welcome to the twentieth episode. Now, just some uh, housekeeping here. Um, on last week's show, we did have some technical difficulties, and um, people were getting on the feed saying that the audio and the network cable dropped out. Um, a few disasters were happening, but Jake did a really good job recovering for us as well. So we apologise about that. And for the next one, we do it with live audience. We'll have all those issues solved. We've got a new mixer some sound cards and that sort of stuff. So welcome back and we appreciate your patience for those who logged in the second time. It was great. The numbers are really high. So thanks for that. Um, Cross-posting again tonight. So tonight we're probably going into another 30 pages. So if you're not watching on the Gyms Group Head Office official page, if you're watching on, for example, the cleaning, the mowing pages, etc., dog wash, we welcome you. But if you do want to leave a comment or question to get answered, make sure you head to the Gyms Group page. We'll also have Jake scanning those pages and sending them through. We're not ignoring you, we just can't see in the live feed. So make sure you head to the Gyms Group Head Office page and leave it in there and we can see them. And remember now, we have a podcast. So it's called The Gyms Cast, appropriate name. And um, it's on iTunes, Spotify and multiple platforms. Um, if you want to get a direct link to it, head to gyms.net. There's a tab there under Meet Gym which says The Gyms Cast. And you can leave us a rating there and have a listen. So all these live Q&As we do, those audio are getting cut up and we're making them into um, podcast formats and also the long-form interviews. So we had Sharon on last week. So that massive long-form interview, which is on YouTube, is now a podcast as well. So you can listen to that anytime. And we'll be releasing one every Monday. So we do have four at the moment. And uh, every Monday, we'll put a new podcast up there. It might be a long-form interview. might be one of these sessions. And just before we get into everything tonight, remember, follow Jim on social media, which is at the Jim Penman. He's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And tonight, we're going to have signed books as well. So make sure you jump on the feed and leave a question or comment. And before we get everything, I just want to congratulate Jim on 30 years of Jim's group, which was last Sunday. So for those of you who don't know, the official uh, franchisee, which we can track and actually confirm that was the one was on the 23rd of the 6th, um, 30 years ago. I think it was 1989. 
And that was Andrew McIntosh. Andrew, was Andrew McIntosh? No, I said Andrew McIntosh. Andrew McIntosh. Andrew McIntosh is officially the first franchisee. He may not have been, actually, but they all started him in June. There was a few. Andrew was I was told when I was doing the research for Jim's book, it was Andrew. It was Andrew. That's what I was told, but I might have been told based on the same dodgy system. It's a great system, great system. Andrew, Andrew, did you talk about Andrew? Yeah, go for it. Talk I know, he, he's, he's, a, he's great. He came to me actually a year before in 1998 to buy a lawnmower ground. And I really liked him. I just thought I liked him. I didn't have him particularly around, but I put some jobs together. And then I, and then I, we kept in touch, of course, so I did with a lot of these people, and he became one of my trainers. So I would take, so put somebody out in the road with him, and then he became one of my first franchisees. A lot of people who looked at the contract and said, you know, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it. Then he became a franchisor. Then he started up the... Uh, Fencing division, and then he went off. Now he's a um, he's very successful. He's got all these nurseries, and uh, he's a building that is the building development and so forth. And from what I told him, he's a great fan of it still. So I'm really proud of that. Actually, I mean, he's not with us any longer, but he's he, it was a launch into a fantastic career. Now, if someone knows Andrew McIntosh, please come to tune in and watch that section so we can go back to start it. So we've got a few people tuning in now, so around 40 people, so welcome to everyone. Matt Sheldon, Viviana, and Jim Sticks Australia have all tuned in and let us know, so thank you. Leave us a like or a comment into the Jim's Group feed, and we'll give you a shout-out if you can. If you get a question or comment, we'll read that out. Now, enough of me speaking. Now, we've got a special guest over here tonight, if you haven't noticed, and that is Catherine Mullen-Scott. Yes, I don't know if I've mispronounced it right, so I made a note of myself that I've been mispronouncing it all week to myself, <laughs> and you just corrected me tonight, that's fine. And now Catherine is the author of this great book here, so Jim's book. Yeah. And we thought we'd have Catherine on, it, um, something a bit different. We normally have uh, franchisors or franchisees or divisionals, but Catherine, as an accomplished author, we thought it would be really good to have on and give you a bit more insight into Jim as well from her point of view. <laughs> and you also do TEDx talks. I don't know if you Google, uh, put your name to YouTube, yeah. a couple of TEDx talks come up. You're a ghostwriter, book writer, mentor, professional speaker, and you published your first book at 13 called A Rough Road. Yep. So you're quite accomplished. So I won't ask you your age, but you're quite. You're still very young. I'm 24. You're 24. 25 soon. You're 24. I couldn't get out of bed at 24. Even at 13, you published a book by yourself. So <laughs> you're well informed. You're very accomplished as a person. So we thank you for agreeing to do this as well. Um, nice. And people watching, make sure you leave a comment or question tonight because we do have Jim's book. No, we double sign tonight. So actually by the author as well. Oh, and by Jim as always. Certain. So we do have Jim's book. We've also got Every Customer Fan, which is on Jim's.net. Also has an audio book, so you can download that for free. And we have biohistory. So Jim's passion, everything from Jim's group, you know, a lot of that goes into this. So biohistory.org, biohistory as well, is available on jims.net for that. And these are available on Amazon and Topia. Yeah. yeah. And there's a there's and an every bookstore. And every bookstore as well. Every Actually, good bookstore. Every good bookstore, yeah. I say well, we get a lot of social media inboxes and I always say uh, found Jim's Bible in the wild. They call the Bible. <laughs> Oh, so, that's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't know that. I yeah. love that. Okay, I found the holy Bible in the wall. I know Jim Mama like that. Holy blasphemy. How many people have been told they write the Bible? I'm, yeah. I'm stunned that my book has been called the holy Bible. So there's, a, there's a couple of posts like Jim's lawn posting. They go and they take photos of Jim's in the wild almost. I and love then, it. And they see this at the airport. Just found the Bible in the, while waiting at the airport. It's so, so good. It's made my day. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, <laughs> so we have Catherine. I'll get into Catherine's uh, questions in a bit. And just also want to remind people, first, all we do, Catherine, is every week we talk about our hashtag Jim's logo. I don't know if you know, but Jim's got it. We have a logo generator going, and that closes June 30, so it's 26 today. So make sure you get in there, use the generator, just upload it to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, use hashtag Jim's logo comp. And as always, we're going to run through a few before. So I'm going to show a few designs here, and they'll be up on the screen by Jake. So the first one here is this one. 
Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that one. I like that one. Sorry, I'm just sitting juice. There's a bunch of little juice down the door. Like it's a bit like a, um, it's actually shot up the, uh, in the background here, yeah, there's a big, there's a big gym bar. I'll tell you what, that's actually not a bad point. That's not a bad point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you are. Because I just saw it actually. Oversized dwarf? Oversized dwarf in the back. Yeah, the right side. Um, so that's not a bad one. <laughs> that was up on Instagram. So I like that one. I don't know what the names are. Can you name them? Is it Sleepy? Grumpy, angry. Hungry, angry. Yeah. Snow White and the Seven Jibs. So, don't know what we can call them, but that's a great one. Love that one. Okay, next one here is Jim's cryptocurrency, Jim Coin. Now, you actually went on this guy's podcast. This is it's proper with a guy called Kieran. So, he submitted this one. I feel and, like that's like a prediction of the future. I, want this I think it will be. He actually went on a massive spiel. So you can see how it worked. There's 21 million limited coins released, and he actually gave a full, well thought out white document on it. I there we go. Wow. So, well done to that one. Well, up against Mark Zuckerberg, that's who will win. All right. Next one is Jim Space Expeditions. Wow. I actually put your head on. I just knew I'm strong with that. He said, that's a great job of Photoshop. I don't know. You probably see it on the screen. That's an absolute ripper. So that's really creative. I really like that one. Jim Space Expeditions. Why I hope that when they do find the place, they wear a helmet because it's a bit dangerous on the moon without one. Yeah, you couldn't be doing that. So that's an awesome design. So make sure hashtag Jim's logo comp head to Jim's.net. Now I just want to show this one more thing. We got this inbox because last week I said don't get Jim's tattoos, but I do encourage him on the side, secretly in person, I do hope you get one. This is one that we got sent through during the week. Now you see that on the screen. So it says Jim's going to send it. So yeah, I won't go too much into that, but we did get that one. That's actually a real tattoo. Real tattoo on the foot. This is the fourth yeah. one we've been sent through. So, People are crazy. Yeah, if you are getting Jim's tattoos, I secretly love it. Official company line. We don't my 15-year-old little was a tattoo and I said, if you do, I'll disown you. <laughs> what about Jim's going to send it though? Not one? even that. Oh, no. 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 Any, anything social that you think is fighting with Jim's, just definitely invite us on Facebook or send to us on Instagram. We'll try and show us a show. So, we'll get into it. Enough of me talking. So, Let's start about this book. Okay. So how did, can you just tell us a bit about the background, about maybe yourself, person with your, because you've written a book of 13, for example, yeah, a bit about sure. professional history, then we'll go into this project, which was your last one. Yeah, yeah. so um, that's a very big open-ended question. I uh, forgot about that. I'll keep it very short. Um, so when I, I began writing when I was 10, I kind of started writing a novel in grade five and I got halfway through and then stopped. And then prompted by a school project in year eight, I wrote my first book, which was called The Rough Road, which is the story of a refugee's journey from Africa to Australia and discovered I absolutely love writing and I love writing books. And then it came out around my 14th birthday and people started reading it and they were like, wow, that's actually like a really good book. And they were really moved by it and so many people bawled their eyes out when they were reading it and they're like, you're quite a good writer. And it was the first time I got the idea in my head that I'm a good writer and I had writer's block for the next four years, which was super fun. <laughs> um, but yes, I've written a few more books since then. And this was my first biography and this was a massive challenge, but super awesome opportunity. Um, also, yeah, just the research involved, I think, was the, the hardest part. Writing it was fun, but the research was a really big job. Did people to talk to you? People are hating me, didn't you? Didn't, didn't want to talk to you very much, didn't they? It was one of two ways. People who hated you either didn't want to talk to me or they just wanted to talk to me for a long time. <laughs> it was like... Unload. Yeah. Unload, yeah. So how many people did you actually interview for the whole book? Over 100. Over 100? Yeah. And how long did that take to actually get them all? Oh, my gosh, months. Yeah. Um, but the turnaround for the project was actually quite speedy um, in that I started on the 1st of 
January 2018, mm-hmm. and it was sent to the publishers. Well, I sent it to my publisher for edits um, mid September, and then it was sent to the printers in November. Okay, wow. So, with this book here, now let's just, if you've got any questions regarding it, please put them in the Jim Street Live feed. If you're watching on the other page and leaving them there, I can't see it at the moment, so just jump on there. But with this book, was there anything that, obviously, this is very open to questions as well, yeah. was there anything that really did surprise you when writing this book to find out about Jim that you didn't know? Or? Well, I mean, I don't know much about Jim yeah. at all. So I think I was probably, I was probably surprised at some of the, there were some funny stories, obviously. I was probably surprised at some of the quirky, funny stories around, um, I guess, some social normities that Jim had just somehow bulldozed through or missed in different funny situations. Yeah. Um, you know, Hagar and Pliny told, shared a funny story when he was, here I'm um, at national office and he was halfway through a conversation with Jim and Jim like spotted Lee, his wife, like walking past and just kind of walked off to like join Lee. <laughs> and Hayda was like finishing his like what yeah. he was saying is Jim was just walking, you know, and Hayda was like left a bit confused. So there's some funny interactions. Um that probably surprised me. Yeah. So what about so what about with me? So how did this actually initiate this project? Did some did was it did you just seek Jim out or how did this all sort of no, I, I mean, it's all an introduction. I think I've yeah. said the story a thousand times. But I, um, I saw, I met Jim at a business event where he was one Which of the people. Which was here. Yeah, he was hosted at Foothills. Yeah. And Jim was one of the people. And, um, yeah, and so I, I actually approached him afterwards because I wanted to learn more about buying history. And Jim gave yeah. me a free copy of buying history, which was very kind. And his email address. And we ended up having a catch-up here in your office. And I walked in and you'd see my TEDx talks mm. and were impressed by what yeah. I said in those. And, um, and initially, yeah, initially we were just kind of chatting randomly about different stuff and then um, I think over the course of I don't know how long but Jim found out the work that I kind of do in books and was saying, oh, well, I think you're maybe thinking about having a book that kind of combines my personal yeah. story and my business story um, and the research. And then we had one meeting and I, when I was driving home from that meeting, Jim called me and said, actually, I think this should be a biography because it would be so much more powerful if it had the voices of people who hate me. And that's what <laughs> that Jim said. He said right. it would have the voices of people who hate me. And that's what I I was very interested at that point because I was like, oh, he's willing yeah. for me to find out the truth, not just a nice mm. glossy idea of the truth. So that's what got me really interested in the project. And that's part of the model we used was that um – Biography of Elon Musk by uh, what was his name? Vance. Yeah, Ashley Vance. Ashley Vance, which is a really good book, actually. Yeah, and right. and you read it and you sort of get some sense of, you know, what a great man he is. Truly great man. At the same time, he's got some pretty yeah negative things about his character and what he's done over, yeah. over the years. Yeah, so did a great job. Yeah, it was, it was that, that was the kind of what we wanted. To, not that I'm, I'm as great as uh, Elon Musk or anything close, but but. Just, just that view of somebody who's yeah achieved something. And but that's the a, true story. But that's why, but but it's not all it's not all sweetness and light. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you ever met anybody quite as socially maladaptive as I am. I mean, really, <laughs> honestly, answer that. I don't think I have. No, not was... up to that point. Maybe. Well, no, yeah, no, sort yeah, probably not. At the same time. You know, I did interview people who had described a change in Jim and change in you over the. Last some said ten years, some said a massive change in the last five years. Even when your daughter Sarah said she's seen a massive change in the last five years, like now she goes around Jim will say, you know, hi, how are you? Do you want a cup of tea? And she's just like absolutely baffled because it's something that you know Jim has learned more recently. So, um, I was gonna say that's something you do work on, though, isn't it? You do work on that a little bit, I would say. 
Yeah, and which is good. I think people appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's, it's like it's like a it's like a practice thing. You know, yeah. it doesn't come natural to me, but I just try to like when I come into the office. I mean, you um, you were saying to me well, a few weeks back. You said you, you you focus too much on certain people. You should talk to different people and, and this kind of thing. But you put it in practice, and that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I try to. Well, what's interesting is that you. You know, you needed to kind of suggest that to Jim. Like, oh, that's yeah. not a thing that Jim would I don't see think it. of or see. I don't see the look at things the other people's eyes are able. My, my mind is really <laughs> internal. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a form of acting. If you see me in some situation and think this guy's a crashing introvert, extrovert. Yeah. Well, that's, extreme introvert, which I am. It's one of the interesting things was after I um because you know I attended Jim's training, I attended the Jim's National Conference, I also attended one of the Fantasy or famous Fantasy or dinners where Jim is quite. It's very animated and very funny. And I remember after attending that, my next interview for Jim for this book, I was saying, wow, like, it was actually really amazing to see that side of you. You were really funny. You were cracking jokes. There was all this banter. You were doing all the riddles. Everyone was engaged. The whole room was laughing. Like you held the room like you captivated everyone. It was really amazing. And your response was, oh, no, I don't tell jokes. And I was like, no, you actually were like funny. But for you at that time when I interviewed you, it, it, you're like, oh no, it's all an app. Like, it's all learned. It's all rehearsed. It's like a learned pattern almost. Yeah, it's like a it's like yeah. software, like an auto software program almost. Mm. Right? Yeah, pastor of my church is like that. Senior pastor of my church, um, Graham Nelson. Mm. He, he has a wonderful way of greeting people as he walks through the church and he's got a good joke and, you know, hand on the shoulder and he's always got some sort of comment. He's brilliant at that. Yeah. But he is the most extreme introvert you could possibly imagine. Mm. He, just, he just loves to be by himself. <laughs> Period of time. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's just the same thing. I'm looking from him as well, too. I watch what he does and say, how, how does he do that? What, yeah. What's he doing? What's he saying? How does he greet people? Mm. And I've got my own um, sort of, what we call a life group, kind of like a Bible study group, which yeah. meets every fortnight, men's group. I interview a lot of people from it. Yeah. yeah. I do the same thing there in a way. Mm. Look at this. I, I like those guys and it's a good community, but it's it's something, it is, it is a learned thing. You learn to act in a certain way. Mm. No, well, you're open to it. Like, it's something like, for example, when I went and told you about that thing, like, you listened to it, like, you didn't. Yeah, stuff. and you noticed that someone came into the office, they did actually you did, make yes. a point of speaking with different people. And I know they appreciate it, and that's something, that's the good thing about you, though, is at least you, you're obviously aware of that sort of maybe, let's say, lacking sometimes with that area, and you're open to the feedback. I try to do these things. Like, yesterday I brought, um, I, I spent some bread in the bed maker, and I brought that into the office just as a way of trying to. You know, be a bit more social. I know you play squash with some of the boys now. You go down and play squash. Yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. And the gym actually really seriously beats them all quite well. And for those thinking they're gym is the so fish. Yeah. And for those thinking that's um. No, you would have thought you. Sure. I played this guy called Viv who's a local club this morning, and he just actually I managed to get one game off him and a couple of you. So I'm not too much, but generally he smashes me. He's so good. And I, I, I just stand. I'm, I am worn out playing this guy. He's so good. <laughs> Uh, on the opposite, you, you flog all these guys in the office, you sit over again. They're not throwing to you because you're well, the boss. Well, see, Andy played about three games of squash in his life. Well, you've got Craig over there. He's quite fit. Played a few. They're fit enough. You're around 27 years on your session. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not know where to hit it because what I do is I get to sit on the tee in the middle of the court and I whack it down there and I whack it up and he's kind of racing up and forth and just killing himself. They all call him the Wiley Fox. <laughs> he's doing these drop shots and all that sort of stuff. He's like the Roger Federer where they're all like you trying to skip back and run around and use their fitness whereas Jim's just using the, the cunning little drop Well, shots I know when um, I go to work at your farm, again, when doing research for the book, 
Um, you had a you had some you know people from the office um doing a game so your farm and you took us for a walk up the hill up to see that beautiful vantage point. And um, walking up that hill, you know, Jim just powered up and could just chat the whole time, and everyone else was lagging behind and oh, starting yeah. to huff and puff and getting exhausted and couldn't keep up and it was just like a walk in the park. Like Jim was just like whoop. And yeah. then I realised that despite the age difference, you are fitter than me, and that's the story. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the boys might be practicing on their off time there because I think they're around forty-ish, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, they're not doing it because Jim's the boss; they're actually genuinely getting flogged. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it might be a while yet. No, I, I I always joke. It's amazing how much better I do when when the mid-year pay increases are coming up. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that I they do try actually. <laughs> and he's very they're very yeah. competitive. They don't like to be beat. So you can see them trying. Yeah, the first time he came back, and I was saying, "Did you just did you know him?" He goes, "No, no, he's actually really good." I said, "He's a wily old fox." That's what he does: drop shot and make him run around. And so Jimmy's generally good. So if you do play squash, you're really good. Yeah. We do have a corporate membership. Uh, we are hoping to get a racquetball court um, at this place. It's only been two years trying to get the council to agree to it. But when that's, when that's done, people who come to training will have a game with me. But racquetball is squash, but it's supposed to be better because you can help the roof and everything. Oh, yeah, I play squash. It's a really, really fun game. Yeah, cool. Especially if you're competitive like, like me and like Craig and these guys I play with, you really, really kill yourself to try and get to that board and Click it up and you're racing around. And at the end of the game, you just sort of just almost can't stand. It's, it's really fun. Uh, if you're a divisional franchise, or if you play for maybe your monthly fees on it. But if you lose, you're going to pay double fees, right? So maybe <laughs> okay, I'm going to pick my, pick, my, pick my opponents. People are a lot better than me. <laughs> They're actually in, in yeah, the club that we've got, there's five levels, and I am probably a good level four. Five being good or bad? First is best, then second, then third, then fourth, then fifth. I'm a sort of probably a good fourth. Right. So, so I'm, I'm by the end of that club, I'm below average. So, yeah. so. I don't want to say about these other guys. Here, <laughs> yeah. They're they're ten levels or something below. They're not too bad actually. Yeah, Craig gets occasional game off me. Yeah, I think he's going to be practicing a bit hard. He might. Yeah, yeah. they are going up. To, they're, they're going out to play today actually this afternoon. So I'm going to get some practice so he can. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> They had they bring on this one? No, they didn't. No, because I, I don't think you had the two. No, I, I, no, I played this morning. Anyway. Oh, played this morning. All right, cool. So we've got a question here from Catherine that's come to the live feed, so I'll ask you now. Yeah. Um, so you just going in, Catherine, what authors through history do you admire and why? Ah, that's a really good question. It is a good question. Um, I'm good. just totally going to go to my my all-time favourite when you start bringing up history, so authors that are no longer around, because I'm just a total sucker of all of Jane Austen's novels. I absolutely love them. That's more of just the romantic in me um, but I really really love her novels and what's very very interesting is um, you know she was a female author at a time being quite independent of the way she lived her life and having quite a lot of self-agency in a time when women just didn't do that kind of thing I love that side of her I also love and what's something that's interesting is that you know her novels um, really talk about that money is quite a big deal in in the romance stories of her novels and what's interesting is today all of the you know, more modern romance stories never mention money. It's like money can't be part of the romantic narrative. So it's kind of interesting that she was still before that time as well. Isn't it, isn't it true, though, that, that in so many... I have read some romance um, books from time to time. I, I like that kind of stuff. I hate to say it, I like that kind of stuff. I like John Eston, actually. But it, often the, the man is sort of... He might look like a worker, but he's secretly a billionaire or something like that. Like Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey was just playing to the classic... 
Um, yeah. yeah. There is an element, though. It's not an uncommon thing. The, the, no, but the there's also a lot of also stories. And powerful in some way. Yes, but there are a lot of stories where it's also so not in, for instance, not in all of Jane. You know, it isn't true that in all of Jane Austen's novels I see always wealthy. So, for instance, in Sense and Sensibility, in one of the couples in that book, he actually, his mother actually kind of disowns him, and he becomes actually very, very poor. But the romance does still go ahead because you know they love each other very much, and they she doesn't mind to have a much more. Um, you know, less rich lifestyle. But I think that, yeah, I think it's interesting that there's also that, that idea that, oh, money can't have anything to do with romance. It's just this feeling that comes over you when you fall in love with the person. Anyway, we're going off on a totally different tangent. But, yeah, I love Jane Austen. If we were actually watching The Notebook, Lee and I were watching The Notebook the other night, too, mm. which is a classic, you know, yeah. three-handed sheep weepy. <laughs> we, we, we didn't actually take it in quite the same way because first of all, Lee was more sympathetic to the mother's point of view. She said she should have married the rich, not rich guy. Oh, really? And that was that's what she was thinking about because we've got daughters who are getting to that sort of age. And um, I was I was trying to figure out how does this guy make his money? You know, he he's bought this house and now admittedly he, he sold his father's house. But how does he make his money? How does he can he afford to pay off the loan? How can he afford it? What's his job? What are his prospects? Well, I'm this is the thing. No romance, like virtually no romance stories actually cover the reality of romance. And that is, what is the job? You know, and if it's a couple living together, how are the chores divided? Who does the cooking? Who does the cleaning? Who does exactly the school drop-offs? Right. Like, that's the real stuff of romance in the modern age. We're now talking about romance. Totally off topic. Yeah, I'm the last person you should ask about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my romance is in a nightclub on a Saturday night. That's about as far as I go. Um, so I'll get through a few comments <laughs> on it. Have you ever been to a nightclub? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Have you ever been to a nightclub? Never. Never been to a nightclub? Because you did. I know that there was a one short, very short-lived stage at uni where you became quite social. No. Well... Yes, there was. Well, you just... Social <laughs> in the sense that I would go and visit people in their rooms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember you saying that you were on visiting terms with quite a few girls. Yes. It was oh, oh, What was that? On visiting terms with quite a few I know, and I thought right. that was such a quaint way to describe it, yes. being on visiting terms. Well, I could just go and knock on the door and say hello to them. I just knew... Yeah. I did. For the first two terms at university, yeah. I, I, I did that. And then at the end of that second term, I actually had a really crushing disappointment. I was... Yeah. And uh, I became very, very introverted. introverted and started working on my on my research and this kind mm. of thing. From yeah. then on. And then I became... But never a nightclub in that... Two terms. No, I've, I've actually looked inside a nightclub once when I was in... <laughs> looked inside? <laughs> what you just looked inside the door and just go, not the name Once in year 12, I was going to this sort of United Nations <laughs> gathering thing in the city. Yeah. And I got to the wrong place and I looked in and I opened the door and there was a nightclub there. So I just shut the door. That was the closest time I could come to it. <laughs> Do you remember what it was called at all? Classic. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that you only opened the door because you were going to a United Nations thing. Fantastic. Oh, this is not the United Nations, it's a nightclub. Mine's obvious sometimes, but there we go. Someone on here, Phil Roy Williams, has gone, Jim's wingman. There's a good service, mobile service. Jim's wingman, (laughs) help you in about. Yeah, that's right. You definitely get a bit of help there. So I'll run through some some, um, comments here. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and I'll jump down here. So Paul Sandals has gone, G'day, Jim and Catherine. Love being involved in the book. I've brought my share already. Hope it's been selling really well. How are the sales going? I don't ask too much details, but yeah, good. it's going all right. Yeah. 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 So, do you know how many we yeah. sold? I haven't got updated yeah. um, figures. It's quite a few, though, isn't it? It's yeah, in the thousands. It's in the thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, there you go. So John Deakins has gone in. Hey, really enjoying the show. Keep it up. I'm the I'm in the mowing division, Harvey Bay. Eight months in now, so going great. Oh, cool. With the I, gave leads, a, I gave a yeah. sermon at Harvey Bay. Right? A sermon? I gave a sermon in a church. It's the only time I've ever given a sermon in a church. So I'm going to give one in Mildura in a couple of months. Really? Yeah. Okay. Actually give a sermon in church. What do you have to... Don't you have to 
achieve some... No, you just have to be... Yeah, remember, this, have to remember be this is the Bible now, right? Yeah, yeah. This so Jim is, yeah. is going to give sermons on this. This is the Bible of Jim. And Jim is going to go, right, this is it. Chapter 14, and then away we go. When I, when I talk yeah. in a church, I, I probably give them more of a, a true story. Mostly I sort of dampen down the Christian side of things because otherwise it puts people off um, the business message. But, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I'm going up again to Mildura, give a talk to the men's group in the evening, and then... <coughs> <coughs> I'll, I'll keep a sermon in the church the next day. There you go. I had no idea. It's quite funny because we've had some meetings before saying the one true church of Jim and that, and then actually Jim does do a sermon. Now he's done a sermon, now he's going to do another one. So I'll go through this comment here. So he's gone eight months in now, going so good with the leads. We can choose our territory. He goes, why not let us choose the job we want to take, i.e. reg, mow, once-off mow, garden clean-up or rubbish? Sometimes I have time. He goes, yes, sometimes I have time for a mow but not a garden clean-up. So if you open your leads, it's potluck what you might get. Might be able to service some of those leads which are now going unserviced. No, no, you Thanks. can actually do that. You don't. You, what you can't do is distinguish between the one, mow once and mow reg. You can certainly take gardening or not take it. You, mm. you can even exclude yourself from mowing if you like. Some some guys just do landscaping or gutter clearing. So if, you, if you've got questions, give me an email, jim at jims.net. Yes. I'll, I'll go through it with you. Yeah, John, jim at jims.net. Um, we also done a, month, a videotape that one of the lady, lovely lady Stephanie in the call centre regarding um, Jim's Online. So we actually done a video tutorial about how they do all the settings and that, and that will yeah, go out to awesome. every new franchise in an email. So thanks for Franchises that, often, yeah. often contact me for um, advice on all kinds of different things. Like there's one franchisee complaining about lack of work just a couple of days back, and, and I said, but you're not down for anything outside territory. So I, I, so I immediately put him on all the areas. And wrote back to him and said what I've done, because he wasn't making enough money, but he wasn't asking for it. Yeah, that's surprisingly common. That kind of stuff. That's a great question there, John. And um, it's good to see you doing really well in your first year. And um, as Jim said, you can email Jim at jims.net, and he can help you out your worker comments and your Zorkin as well. So thanks for that question you before, which got us on that nightclub tangent. Oh, I didn't know that would go there, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> that's going to be great for some clips. All right, so Sue here's gone a true gentleman, Jim. You are a gentleman. You've got your old. You like your. Reading romance, you're watching the notebook with your wife. Like, oh, no, oh, I definitely wouldn't do that, but you're doing you it. Always thought you'd... you haven't got a wife anyway. That's true, and there's a reason. <laughs> that, for that. That be... Yeah, you always thought you'd fit the Victorian era well. Yes, that's quite a gentlemanly era with the with the hats and the. Well, no, yes. it's because of the the. You explained that well, people back then didn't really have to smile much, and the men who were more <laughs> the is... men who were more reserved and. You know, silent time, time, and right? taking, you know, they were kind of respected and yeah. that his personality I would be I don't that know you described me as a gentleman. I had a conversation with a Frenchman this morning and I got really, really angry and I was yelling at him. This was a Frenchman <laughs> oh, no. com complaining about the, about, about the, the system of, of, um, uh, of surveys. And he thought that if there was no comment on the survey, I should delete the survey. And he was trying to give me all these reasons. I kept on asking again, and I kept on trying to explain to him, and I got quite angry, So, which I shouldn't have done. You know, I shouldn't. What do you do when you're angry? Do you, like, realise you're angry and then apologising for being angry? Or does the anger just take control and you just realise afterwards? Anger takes control. I have a very, very bad temper. I often just regret it afterwards. Do you, like, send an email afterwards to say... Well, sometimes. <laughs> but, it, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, you said the same thing to a guy ten times and he says the same thing. I just get impatient after a while. I shouldn't do it that way. I should just, uh, whatever. I, we get a lot of this. We get a lot of this because franchisees who get bad surveys, you know, are constantly getting bombarded with requests to take them off. And I say, give me the evidence. And they say, well, no, the, the franchise, the customer was being unreasonable or, or whatever the reason was. And, and, you know, I wasn't at fault. I did everything right. Well, you know, I can't 
take off a poor survey or a complaint mm. simply because you say you did everything right, because that's the equivalent of giving every franchisee five stars and zero complaints, which I'm sure would make people feel very good until, of course, the work started drying up because their customer service tanked and then mm. hundreds of franchises go broke. Mm. So even though it stresses you to get a poor survey or a complaint, which sometimes isn't justified, it's just even more if you can't pay your mortgage or you can't pay mm. food for your family. It's probably the biggest point of conjecture mm. yeah. the survey system and complaints mm. in China. It's the biggest point of conjecture we it have. It does, and there's a lot of pressure. And I can understand why very few companies do it, because, mm. because you've got to stand up against this pressure, constant pressure from franchisees and franchisors. And it's, it's so much... It'd be so easy just to be mm. the good guy and go along. That's what everybody else does. Yeah. But that's, of course, why we've got nearly 4,000 franchisees and our nearest competitors have got a few hundred because we do mm. push elements. And I push franchisors. That's the same thing mm. to me, too. You're so unreasonable, Jim, about service to franchisees. Why don't you just lighten up? You know, just let us bring them when we feel like it. And I get that all the time, too. So it's always easier to say, hey, just do what you want. I won't push you. Oh, Jim, you're a fantastic guy. But it just won't work if we do that. Mm. Mm. And if I'm not yeah. around anymore, that's one thing I'm very concerned about, that whoever takes it on will not be as fanatical as I am. And I think once that happens, you'll start to see the end of our great period and things will start to go down. Mm. Unless I can find someone to take it on who has got the same passion. Maybe maybe this guy, I don't know. Well, I do, yeah, well, that's the one thing I do pick up is, this is the one, like, as I said, anyone who's outside the gyms group, inside the gyms group, people will know, but outside the gyms mm. group, it's not just lip service. It's the one thing that every day... Mm. survey system changes complaints it's the mm. one biggest mm. point of conjecture mm. and obviously jim's mantra is what you're saying <coughs> now is what's something that gets strummed into everyone in here mm. and um look i agree with him i agree with jim in regards to it initially i was probably a little bit different now as i see it because this is our one combat against competitors with mm. the digital stuff online we don't have the the private equity cash for example to invest mm. in a, a 10 million dollar ppc campaign mm. but what we can invest in is when we get that customer into us mm. they'll be given the best experience possible yeah mm. And that's what we can do, mm. and that's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna be around for another thirty years. Mm. So I'll just run through a question here, which ties onto this, which will lead into that. So thanks for that answer. Thanks for that question as well. If you're tuning in, give us a like, a comment, or a share. It's a good one to do because you've got obviously Catherine will sign a book and Jim will sign a book at the end, and I think we're gonna have three or four maybe. So make sure you leave a comment or question in there. So Daniel James is gone. Tuned in again. Jim's batteries, dear Park. Hope you're happy with the battery in the van. Jim, Rob really enjoyed coming out and seeing you today. Oh, yeah, that So was Jim's good. battery's up and about, and they're doing quite yeah. well. I think they've got five or six franchisees already. Yeah. And he came out today and done a battery Well, no, what, what actually happened was that Rob, I, I, after a franchise has been going for a, a month, yep. I send an email. It's still automatically generated. Mm. And I really asked my franchisees in training, I said, respond to me. So he responded and said he had a bit of a hard month. Yep. Hard to do the freebies. Uh, he has, they could do a battery check. It's a paperwork guarantee. So I did the battery check, and they get paid for that by the franchisor. So I was, I, um, I, I thought he was doing well. And I said, well, our van here is, um, needs a battery, so why don't you come and, and do that? And then I was chatting with him when he was, when he was here. He did a great job, put the new battery in. He was very quick. He's got a great rating, fantastic rating, Rob. Really, which make, always makes me feel very positive when I see that 4.9 or whatever it is. Like, oh, wow, that uh, makes me feel so good. So he had a great rating. He's a good guy, really good guy. And I said, what you've got to do is to start approaching, there's about 500 franchisees in Melbourne. Why don't you offer battery checks to them? Mm. And talk to the franchisors, and we can introduce the franchisors and go to the meetings and do free battery checks on all the vehicles. And then they'll get the hangar coming to you, so you build this client base. Because there's quite a big mm. internal client base in Jim. Yeah. yeah. 
So thanks everyone for tuning in. I just want to, want to ask one of these questions here which relates to the book as well. Um, Colin Harper's gone, VIP Home Services had a 10-year head start on the Gyms Group. Gyms Group now has a larger footprint in Australia. Reading Jim's book, it's lucky it survived its disasters. What has Jim's done better uh, to better its competitors? Obviously, this one's for both of you I, guys. Yeah, I, I feel like I've got spitfire answers there. Yeah. So, you know, one of the really interesting things is that Jim started doing, you know, franchisees can walk away, there's a flat fee. Jim gave... Jim was so... VIP's got a flat fee too, actually. Yeah, but didn't they? I think that's because of you. No, I no, they, they were always flat fee. I got the idea from them, actually. So oh! They, oh, really? Okay. They used a flat fee, right. we used a flat fee plus a lead fee. I don't think they've ever charged a percentage. Okay, okay. Well, when I was um, doing interviews, people described their experience at VIP being much more of a kind of, you know, you're locked in contractually. Yeah. Mm. Um, there you go, that's interesting. And I think that... I think that everything that we just discussed as far as Jim's being so passionate about the quality of the customer service that happens and continually applying that pressure means that the word of mouth has spread so well for the mm. past 30 years that people just know if I get a Jim's person, they'll rock up on time, they'll answer you know, my calls or texts, they'll do a good job and it'll, it'll all be good. Yeah, I, I do get some kickback from franchisees all the time about this walk away clause. Our franchisees mm. can pay four grand to walk away. They're not, they're not bound at all and it's not it doesn't usually happen, but, but it's not uncommon. Mm. And um, they often say, but my business is worth more than four grand. And I say, that's not really the point. You've got to make it enough so that it's practical. It's not worth finding legally. Yeah. It's just something that's a little bit of an obstacle to moving out. But if they really want to go, they can. It's, it's yeah. a few months' fees. Now, the, what the, the worst mistake I believe VIP ever made was that they had a number of franchisees in WA, I think about six who wanted to leave the system and VIP wouldn't let them. And they went to court and VIP won the case to stop them going independent, basically. And then they went to the ABC and had a program on the investigators all over the country. They never recovered from that disaster. That's really interesting. The other thing that I'll say that's different about gyms is that in gyms, you have, you know, how do new franchisees join gyms? Who are the sales reps out there recruiting new franchisees? They're franchisors. They're people who buy in mm. to the gym system. Gyms added this extra layer. They buy a business where they look after, nurture, grow franchisees, make sure they can succeed really, really well, and they recruit new franchisees. And so gyms has hundreds of franchisors doing this. And a lot of them are former franchisees. Mm. A lot of them started as franchisees. Yeah, and a lot of them started as franchisees, yeah. so they really know what it's which about. Which is the which, ideal. Which is fantastic. Whereas mm. VIP, I, from my understanding, <clears throat> have staff. They hire sales reps, they hire BDMs, they hire people. Yeah. You're never as committed to results when you're paid a salary as you as you are when it's your business. You know what I mean? These franchisors yeah. are investing in it personally. It's their business and they're so To, to be fair, actually, Bill has tried, Bill Viss has tried... Um, having franchisors, he just couldn't get on with them. He ended up buying it back, from what I understand. <laughs> he's um, yeah. he's a good guy, though. I, I, I have a lot of admiration and respect for what he's him, achieved. Unfortunately. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He really is, and and I owe a lot. I mean, in a sense, you might say this imitation a lot of what we did. If it wasn't for VIP, I probably wouldn't have franchised. Certainly not yeah, then. Wow. So I learned a lot from him about the way he ran his system, and there's a lot of strengths to that. So I've mm. got a lot of respect for him. He's actually one of the better service franchises around. Mm. I don't think he's quite as good as ours, but that's, that's my personal bias. But still, yeah. I, I think he's a good guy, and I think Fantastic. he's achieved a lot of good things.
Now, thanks for that question, Colin. That was a really good one. Thanks for your answer, guys. Now, people are tuning in, which is great. So leave a comment or a like and let us know you're here. Just get through a few of these people who are tuning in on other pages. Brendan Raggett, who's a mining franchise up on the Sunshine Coast, is tuning in. Let us know. Thank you. Tanya Graham is from Jim's Dogwash New Zealand is tuned in. And Kim McGavick from Jim's Dogwash in NZ as well. A lot of dogwash around these days. A lot of dogwash. Growing really well. Um, Blake Brenner on one of these other feeds, he's gone, will you run for parliament for the, in the Jim's party? So would you ever do the gym's party and run? Why not? You're doing you're doing sermons now. Why not? You got the Bible. You got the Bible. I have vaguely yeah. thought of having a go at the Senate. I must say. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I would love to run on a sort of a populist line uh, and talking about things like how the zoning laws stop people from being able to afford to buy a house, and and the way that um, credentialism stops people from getting jobs which they could quite easily do, and mm. and there's so many issues of that nature. I think I think. A lot of what we do is, I have a lot of um, feeling for the battlers, the people who aren't university educated, people who haven't got, you know, yeah, haven't got some of the advantages, but I think they're the salt of the earth. And a lot of them, my franchisees are from that kind of background too. They're people who've got good sense, but they're not, mm. they're not very good at studying. Mm-hmm. But they can be absolutely brilliant at what they do in business terms. Mm. I mean, we've had fantastic, successful franchisees who, who've been like um, working as a bonus and an abattoir, this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. So I think, I think as a society, we, 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 we look after people like that very badly in so many ways, the whole system. I mean, I'll give you an example of global warming, and I've talked about this before, but the idea of greenhouse. The way they try and cope with greenhouse gases is to make electricity companies buy... The, imp- the what comes out of solar panels. Now, what that actually does is for rich people like me, we put up solar panels, as we've got here, and, mm. and, and, um, and we actually get paid for that. That's a pretty good investment. But what it does is it pushes up the price of electricity for people who can't afford to buy a house and put solar panels on it. So it's a kind of an anti-Robin Hood. It's, mm. it's trying to solve global warming in a very inefficient way by taking from the poor and giving to the rich which to me is nonsensical. Whereas if you had a carbon tax, which was um, based on how much electricity you used, but you recompensed people, particularly the poor earners, it would actually be the opposite. You'd actually be taking from the wealthy who have international holidays and this kind of thing and spend a lot of money on carbon and giving it to ordinary people. Mm. At the same time, it's far more efficient as a way of solving greenhouse gases. So it's kind of like we, we like policies that are basically inefficient, that don't do what they're supposed to do, but they transfer money from the poor to the well-off. That seems to me pretty pathetic ways of doing things. And housing is the same thing. Having, having housing policies that stop subdivisions, which means that ordinary people can't afford to buy a house, so they're forced to rent, which means people like me who've got money can buy multiple houses and rent them out. And we, make, we do very well out of it. But what about the whole people who can't afford to buy a house in the first mm-hmm. place? You know, we should be able to buy a house in a city like Melbourne for a quarter million dollars, a nice house. Mm. Instead, you've got to pay six, seven hundred thousand mm. dollars. How can somebody without afford that? Mm. So that's the kind of thing I'd like to, I'd like to run to Parliament on that. I have thought about it. Here's your Parliament campaign right here. Yeah. yeah, probably not. This is a recent thing, because you know, you've always gone no, but this is the first time tonight you said well, oh, the, the, the Senate has yeah. changed things, because the Senate is now tends to be controlled by the crossbench. So as a senator, you can have a fairly big influence on what is to be done in society as a whole. You become a cross who holds holds the balance of power. If you had a few people, you could do some pretty amazing things. I mean, I'm not only doing what the Greens and Labour Party says they want done, which is to control global warming. 
but I'm also doing it in a way which is far more efficient, but it's also redistributed. And the trouble with people like the Greens is they, is they, they claim to be in favour of equality, but in fact they favour the well-off, they favour the educated, they favour the elites. And the Labour Party is increasingly going the same way, which is why... What do you mean by that? How do they do that? <coughs> well, like I said, like, like zoning. Yeah. Zoning regulations force mm. up the price of housing. Mm. Um, and it's a typical example. You get into a right-wing straight, like... You go, look, 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 look it up. You look at uh, Dallas or Houston. Yeah. Look at the medium house price in somewhere like Houston. It's about a quarter million dollars US, which is a bit more, about 300,000 Australian. Median house price in San Francisco is about 1.2 million. Yeah. Now, Texas is controlled by Republicans and San Francisco is controlled by Democrats. Who's, mm. who's helping the poor? Who's helping the poor off? Not, not the Democrats. The Republicans are the party that's doing the best for ordinary people, in my view. And that's what we should be doing. I'm not saying we should be like Texas. <laughs> Everyone having guns is not, might not be the greatest idea, but, yeah. but that, that's the basic concept. Yeah. And what's happening in America and certainly all over the Western world is that the, the parties are repositioning themselves. The, mm. the party of Labour, the ordinary man, which is Democrats or Labour Party here, is becoming the party of the educated elites, the internationalists. And, mm. and, and there's people who, the, the ordinary working people, are being sort of downgraded and forgotten about. And that's, that's the people I like to. The people who voted for Trump, I don't like Trump at all, but I like the people who voted for him. So there you go, there's a nice... Uh, political speech there for you. So that's sort of a change. As always, you go no, but that's that's sort of Jim in the Senate. Be quiet, and you'd be great in the Senate. Who who's your, who would you take on in the Senate? Who would you like to take on? Let's take let's call them out right now if they're watching. If someone knows him, tag him. No, no, I wouldn't take anybody. I just want to go for the Senate. Is Clive Palmer still in there? Is he still oh, falling asleep in there? <laughs> no, I think he got Penny Wong. No, he got, they got nothing. Yeah, I love that. Did <laughs> you see that's billboard? Which one? Was that? The, someone, a marketing agency in Melbourne, put up a billboard saying 60 million and oh, no yeah. seats. You million should have most. gone to IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that one. Had like a $29 like IKEA seat. I love, I love the fact that, that really he, he outspent both major parties together and got 3% of the vote. I just love that. I love that. <laughs> That was fantastic. Yeah, unlucky Clive, unlucky. 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 You think you can buy an influence in this country, you forget about it. (laughs) Bloody billionaires think they can buy influence in Parliament? No way. So thanks for that question there on the other feed, Blake. We'll move on. All right, so I'm going to get some, some questions that were left last week on the feed. So if you're tuning in, make sure you leave a like, a share, or comment in here. We'll try and get as many as we can. So there was four questions last week which we missed. Um, So I'm going to try and run through them now real quickly. So Jesse last week went, hey guys, do you have a criteria that potential franchisees and franchisors should meet? So you might know, what, what's a typical, in your opinion, French criteria that a franchisor is? Like, is there a certain personality type or uh, is there gosh, any sort of common things that you identify? I don't think I'd be qualified to answer that. Right. No, no. We, 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 <coughs> you, you just look for a person with some, some reasonable sense. I mean, I mean, you look for things like a fairly stable work history, um, you know, married with the mortgage and kids is good because they're more steady. Um, somebody mm. who presents well and asks smart questions. Somebody who's got a good work ethic, put them out on the road, is often the best way of handling that. And mm. you look at how they do. Do they work hard? Do they follow instructions? Like, you know, if a guy is mowing a lawn, you're supposed to mow around the edge and then mow straight lines. That's how you do it. Now, if they're still mowing like this at the end of the day, well, you, they, they can't, mm. they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. And that's the worst thing, actually. You don't need to be particularly brilliant to be successful in business, but you do need to be able to follow a system and not just be mm. stubborn and say, I'm going to do it my way. 
That's definitely something for some franchisors um, who I've interviewed, particularly Sharon as well. She said that her franchisees that struggle are the ones who start thinking that their way is better than the gym yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. And they, then they start doing really poorly and then she has to re-educate them. If you really need to follow the system, call back in two hours, do this, do that, follow it, follow it. And then they start getting successful again. So The interesting thing about really top people like Sharon and Haydar is that they're very, they're quite humble in a way. They'll always listen. They're always mm. working out ways. They'll get ideas from anywhere. And if they, they can change what they do and get mm. better results, they'll do yeah. it. That's a common thread, what you just said there, Nick. Exactly a common thread. So thanks for that question from last week, Jesse. Ashnead as well left one last week. said, hey, Jim, just wanted to know what your views on tackling franchisee to leads ratio? Question mark. That was the question. So maybe franchisee numbers to leads ratio. Obviously, we won't put in enough fran- more franchisees in the area where there's not enough leads. Well, we've been dropping lately because the proportion of leads to franchisees has gone up dramatically. We're getting more leads and we're not growing nearly fast enough to cope with them. We were losing about one job in six a few years back. Now we're losing one job in four. Mm. So it's just... Um, I, the funny thing about franchisees is this. When, when I had 50 franchisees in the whole world, back in the early days, my franchisees sort of came to me and said, look, Jim, you know, it, it's been great to now, but we've got to stop. Stop, no more growth, because we're running out of actual work. Now, the strange thing is, I've got nearly 4,000 franchisees, and there's far, far more work per franchisee. It's vastly easier to find work per franchisee now than it was then. Because one of the things people forget about is that we've only got a very small share of the market, in effect. Even, I mean, we'd have less than 1% of the trading market in yes. this country. We seem very big, but we, we have a tiny fraction of it. Mm. And every time a trader drives down the road or a van, they mm. promote the business. Every time they pay their fees, they promote the advertising. So in actual fact... If you have 10 times as many franchisees, you don't get five times as much work. You don't even get 10 times as much work. You get 15 mm. times as much work. Yeah. And it's the same principle. If you talk to somebody about doing a TV campaign, which we don't do because they don't work very well, but they'll always tell you, don't put wider in. Yeah. Put 10 ads in. Repetition, mm. repetition, repetition, repetition. So even if you can't afford the peak time, put 10 ads in the off time rather than one. Mm. And if you see the, the trailers or you see the vans again and again and again and again and you see in the advertisements, you're far more likely to call. Mm. And that's what we've noticed. So it's not really... There's always a feeling... Franchisees sometimes get the impression that there's a limited amount of work and every franchisee means less work. Yes. But actually the opposite. And that's our overwhelming mm. experience. The, the divisions we, we struggle to get work in are not the ones like mowing and cleaning and dog wash and test and tag, we've got a lot of franchisees. Mm. It's the new ones, the ones that aren't known. Yeah. Well, you'd think w- would be the opposite, but it's not. They, they mm. struggle until people start to say, oh, yeah, you know, Jim's mobile mobile tyres is, is worthwhile. Mm. Jim's batteries. I've seen that van driving around. And once we get, we've got like four in now in, in, in batteries in Melbourne. Once we get 40, mm. those guys are going to get a lot busier. Yeah, doing really well. And that's definitely one that's going to go up there. So thanks for that question last week, Ashneet. Now, David Rumpf left, uh, left a good question last week regarding surveys, and this is a good one. Hi, Jim. As with Google My Business, can the gym survey system have the ability for franchisees to respond to the client? We want them to. Obviously, the, ideally, David, David's a clean franchisor. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we love you to do that. If you get a bad survey rating from a client, particularly about quality of work, the one thing we really want you to do is to go back and go to the client and do whatever you can to satisfy the client. And in fact, if you do that and you tell me, and I get evidence, say, say an email or something from the client, I'll delete the survey, I'll delete the complaint. 
or I'll change it to something good. So you absolutely want to do that. And even if somebody's late or something like that, now I won't delete a survey for that reason, but if you go back to the client and you apologize to them and then you find them somewhere else and you're that's what you need to do. That's what you should do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. I encourage yeah. franchisors to, to actually follow up complaints. We, we don't get a lot more than we used to, but we get far too many still. So that's a great question. So we've got one here on the live feed now. So I'll go back to the live feed questions. And Matt Wilson's gone, hi, Jim. What did you do that made you so successful in getting work when you first started up your business? Oh, I just, just gave fantastic service. I was yeah. fanatical about making customers happy. There's no... I knew nothing about business. I didn't understand upselling. I didn't understand pricing. I knew nothing. I just had this emotional, extreme desire to see my customers delighted. And it goes well beyond any business sense. I just had that. I had it in spades. What about from doing the, um, the interviews and anything like that? Did you, was there any clients or anything you interviewed from gyms or you couldn't get any? Um, not from those early not days. Not from those early days, um, right. I couldn't find any. But oh. I mean, I think the story that's in the book of when um, Jim was young and doing that work with his neighbour, Mr. Tapley, Tapley, I'm not sure how to pronounce yeah, his name. Yeah, he's a Tapley, Tapley, yeah, I think. You know, and you were carrying the stuff to the incinerator and he came back and said, oh, you know, you dropped all these bits, I could have mm. just done it better <coughs> myself. And, um, and Jim described... You know, that being such a formative moment because that made him, mm. he believes that's where that irrational, total obsession with doing a great job came from. He just felt so terrible for not having done a good job. And I think that, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Like, you know, you know, you can look in the book, you can, you, you can read about the different times that Jim did put in some, you know, marketing efforts. And often they weren't that massive, but that it was the word of mouth. That, that really grew things in the early days. Because mm. I remember you always say you hate, just hate letting people down, right? Mm. And there's um, that's something that's always a common thread. Mm. This is the same thing with franchising, exactly the same pattern. I started selling lawn mowing rounds because I, I hated, I wanted people to be successful who dealt with me, and they became referrals. And then when my franchise started, that the same idea. And one thing I did radically different, as as you know, is is I I, I was selective. I didn't want people who were going to fail. Mm. There's like this lady who who's. Who's, I found out that she was actually buying a franchise for her son who couldn't find a job. And I, and I spoke to her on the phone and I said, you, you, we can't accept this. He's going to fail. Mm. And I actually arranged him to get a job with a couple of my guys. And, and he, he was no good. He couldn't do it. Mm. So in fact, she would have spent $30,000, which she couldn't afford. She wasn't a wealthy woman, to, to have it blown down the drain. But, but I can't, I, I hate having my franchises fail. It's the thing that upsets me the most still. Mm. So I'll run through some comments here. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. So leave us a like or a comment or a share. So John Walsh from tuning in from Jim's Pest Control Roville. So hi, John. We'll run down here. Jim's Meming's back on there on work break tuning in. So thanks, Jim's Meming, for tuning in. Love your stuff. Uh, we'll go down here to a question from you. He goes, hashtag ask Jim, who are the entrepreneurs of ancient history uh, and what did they do that maybe inspired you? Of ancient history, that's a pretty... We haven't had that one. I like that question. One. It's a good one. You don't normally associate the word entrepreneur with ancient... Ancient history, no. Ancient never. History. Well, I don't know very much about them. I, I know something about Crassus, who was at one time the wealthiest man in Rome. And one of the ways he did this is Crassus actually had his own fire brigade because in ancient Rome there was no organised fire brigade. So the, the people, these investors had these big like flats called insula, which, which were quite profitable, but they were always catching fire. And what would happen... Is that, is that one of these would catch fire and, and, and Crassus would turn up with his fire brigade and the guy said, put up the fire. And he said, no, you sell it to me. 
So he'd buy it at a really knockdown rate, and then he'd put out the fire, and he'd own this thing. That was one of the... <laughs> Are you serious? That's one of the things he did. So I, I'm not <laughs> sure I use him as a, a, sort of of <laughs> a business exemplar. And, well. there, and there's, there's, a, there's a story when he died. Um, he was so notorious for being greedy for gold that he was captured by the Parthians um, in this expedition to try and conquer the East. And they, they poured molten gold down his throat to say, there, have enough. Oh, really? Yeah, so he wasn't a nice man. He was an ally of Caesar. He was and an, an, an at one stage, yeah. Wow, that's a pretty awful way to die, isn't it? Well, it wasn't nice, but he did a lot of bad things, that guy. He wasn't, he wasn't, wasn't all that ethical. <laughs> Any, I don't know, Catherine, is there anything you want to add to that? I've got nothing I can add to I that. I can't say that yeah. my knowledge of ancient history is as good as Jim's. I don't think anyone's is. Now, for those, who don't, <laughs> those watching for the first time, Jim obviously has a PhD in history, and um, that's why we love the history questions, because Jim can use that knowledge, use that degree. Who asked that question? Oh, that was you up here in the live feed here. So, oh, I like that one. I like yeah. that one. So that's a good one here. So I run down here. So Sue's gone vote. Now let's get vote Jim into Parliament. Yes, start up something online, petition, get Jim into to the Senate. We'll get him to run. Mike, now there's a question here from Mike Davenport who's in this book. But did you interview yeah, Mike yeah, Davenport? Yeah, yeah. Mike great. Davenport, who is Mike on the mic at the, the three weekly um, live shows, does a great job and he's our trainer at Jim's. Um, he goes, what made you go on TEDx? Which for question for you. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, um, I, I didn't seek it out, actually. Um, so I started doing um, courses when I was 16, when I was in year 11, um, that were business and speaker training courses. And I met someone there who saw me speak at these courses and thought I was quite good and had a bit of a natural knack for it. Mm -hmm. And um, he knew the curator of TEDx Melbourne, John Yeo. And he actually connected us saying, hey, John, I think you should do a really great talk. So... Thank you very much to Paul for making that introduction. That's how it happened. So all those two, you've done two that are on YouTube. So if people yep. punch in your name and we'll put that in the end and stuff. Um, if anybody's interested, um, just email me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a link to them. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Okay, so um, what were those, maybe just give me a bit of a summary, maybe one of those, what was one of them talking? I think one was yeah. like Funnel of Greatness or yeah. something yeah, correct. like that. So yeah. one of them was about the concept of Funnel of Greatness. And yeah. um, a lot of people think I made this up. I totally didn't. And I explained in my talk that I totally did not make it up. Yeah. Um, so these, these trainings that I was going to, the concept was shared there. And the idea is that, you know, we, we are a funnel and our senses are a funnel. And whatever we pour into that funnel through, you know, the conversations we have, the books we read, the YouTube videos we watch, the movies we watch, every, everything, that, all the stimulus that we're pouring in, it really does affect us. And it affects, you know, it, what I found most fascinating was that it affects it affects our beliefs about ourselves and about what we think we're capable of doing. So um, I basically did this six-month crazy obsessive experiment where I was like, okay, that's a really interesting concept. I'm going to, rather than focusing consciously on wanting to achieve things, I'm just going to focus for six months on making sure I'm living like an amazing funnel of greatness. So I'm just going to totally surround myself by incredible books there were only watched a few movies in those six months because I found it hard to find movies that really fit the bill. And um, and I was listening to audiobooks all the time. I was going to events. I was interviewing successful people to learn from them and their journeys. And I was, I was just doing so many different things that was really inspiring material. And, um, and in that six months, quite a lot changed in my life as well. Mm -hmm. So my TEDx talk is about learning that concept and then applying it quite obsessively and, um, and the results of that. Yeah, so YouTube, Catherine's name, and obviously if anyone emails Jim, Jim will forward the links, mm -hmm. and we'll put in some stuff as well um, in the comments section at the end for you to watch as well if you're interested in and, that. 
And by the way, Mike um, was super awesome Mike in was the good. process of this yeah. book. Amazing. I think Mike said this story Mike. about Ricky Ponting or something. Yeah. That's the one I remember reading on yeah, yeah, yeah. going through today. Yeah, totally. Yeah, which is quite That funny. was such a good story too. Yeah. Such a great addition to the book. <laughs> I loved it. So definitely get the book to read that story with Ricky Ponting mentioned in there. Do you know who Ricky Ponting is, Jim? No. There we go. So that's why. Still don't. Still doesn't know. Even after the story. Yeah. Something to do with golf? No, nah, cricket. Cricket. Oh. He's watching one of our staff members in the background trying to do a. He was doing a trying to do a cricket swing. He's no, no, you were doing it swing. down. You were doing it down low. I thought it was. He is a good golf, good golfer, Ricky Ponting. But, I'm um, sorry, I had this ability to forget <laughs> things that don't interest me in the slightest. Sorry, that's one reason I really wouldn't like a good politician. I can't even pretend to like sport. <laughs> That's very true. Jim's got no interest. No interest. No interest Except whatsoever. Except he plays squash and... No, no, but playing is one thing. But yeah. watching it, no way. I just, I just can't. Yeah. Don't ever ask him, did you, who do you go for in footy or did you watch the footy on the weekend? You're going to get the donuts out of Well, there's... Was it Mike? Someone, someone also gave that great anecdote that's in the book about... Um, the Sharon on the footy? Yeah, no, no, no. We're going for... No, about driving near the city. And I said, what's that building? What's that building? And they were like... The MCG. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. And yeah, the Sharon story is fantastic. The Sharon story is a ripper. So get the book. It's um, it's a ripper, and um, <laughs> it's quite interesting. So Josh, Josh has tuned in and said hi, Catherine. Thank you for the free book. So Josh Palaya Biscara. Oh yes, Josh yeah, was I in there. Josh. Yeah. Hi, Josh. A few people tuning in. Neil Roden's gone here. Flaggy says hello. He says say get to Jim for me. He will laugh. Neil Roden is Flaggy on the forum. You know, you have the franchisee forum, there's a flaggy guy on there. Oh, that's he's quite, a, he's quite up and about flaggy. He's oh, a good contributor yeah, on there. Okay, some of those guys on the forum are a bit... bit mm. <laughs> now, maybe they like to have their say, don't they? They don't do. You guys? Let's talk about that maybe a bit. There is a franchisee forum. And um, Jim, obviously, you get on there and you respond to people and stuff. I, and I do Sunday. I've been on for a while, but I do yeah. occasionally get on. Yeah. I think Flaggy's one of the top contributors on there. And um, I've seen a few of his posts as well. He's quite active and... Involved in suggesting things. I so. should get onto the forum again, have a have a look at what's going on. Yeah, so Jim's quite involved in that with those people there who are on there. So welcome to anyone from the forum is watching. So Les Ten Hoopin's gone here. Hello from Jim's Dogwash and Grooming South Australia. So good day, Liz. Thanks for tuning in. Phil's gone. Don't forget about Jim's wingman. We won't forget about Jim's wingman. <laughs> if you want to do Jim's wingman as a service, we're all for it. I don't think I need it, but I'm happy to try you out and give you a go and see how your results you are. You are my wingman. Oh yeah, exactly right. Well, there you are. When I get when we take you for the first time for a nightclub, you know, I have to palm them all away, all the girls after you, wealthy millionaires. Not, not quite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll keep going I down can't here. I think of anything Jim would hate more. Oh, I, I know. I couldn't. <laughs> I could not imagine it. I reckon it's a ripping story. I love it. Uh, That's been probably one of the highlights of the probably the twenty episodes with tonight. I reckon is the nightclub part and. Watching The Notebook, which I would never have picked, you watching The Notebook. No, when you talk movies and TV shows with Jim, I find it quite surprising some of the stuff he's watched. Jim watches a lot. He loves Ricky Gervais. I didn't know this until oh, really? I... Yeah, he loves Ricky yeah. Gervais. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah he's wonderful. He's so I remember funny. we... Um, yeah. Jim and I flew up to Sydney to sign a thousand copies of this book in February. And while we're doing that signing, it took like a whole afternoon. It was quite a production line. It was quite fascinating. Um, and yeah, it was fun. But anyway, we were talking a lot about TV shows and movies. And you mentioned some that yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't have guessed you liked. It was quite interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, people think Jim's maybe pretty dry that sort of stuff, but he loves yeah, Ricky Gervais, and there's quite funny stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like, Jim's I got, love, Jim's I love got comedies. We were watching a silly comedy last night uh, with um, was it with uh, was it Adam Sandler. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the one where he pretends to be married and he has to take his gets up with his girl and he has to go on this to Hawaii with with a fake wife. That yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be divorcing. It's yeah, I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name. Of it I can either. picture the movie. 
Yeah. Happy Gilmore's his best one. He won't tough Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, Adam yeah, Sandler. You should I watch like, Happy Gilmore, Jim. I like, I like light love stories, comedies, things yeah. like that. It's not, Happy, but, I also, yeah. but I also love historical drama. My, my absolute favourite would be the historical dramas, things like Wolf Hall and those kind of things. I love what? those. Wolf, Wolf Hall. Yeah. Wolf Hall. About like Thomas you. Cromwell. You should see Wolf Hall. Okay. It's on... I think it's on Netflix or Stan or one of those. Yep. And it's just wonderful about Thomas Cromwell, who was the chief minister for Henry VIII. It's just oh, really? amazing, amazing story. And other ones that are like the White Princess and the White Queen about the similar period, just a bit earlier. Mm. And those kinds of... I love those historical shows. Mm. Yeah, I like historical ones too. You like them as well? I don't yeah. like them at all. Really? So, but no. they're so fascinating. You basically get to learn about history while watching this amazing, interesting film. Mm. It's like the double whammy of awesomeness. Nah, it's not my thing. It's probably a bit more... What's your thing? My thing? Oh, no one's interested in my thing. Don't worry about like that. Like horror or something horrible? No, no. I'm probably... I watch a lot of sports. I watch oh. a heap of sports docos. Do you watch, I watch any esports? No, I don't watch esports, okay. no, no. I've just discovered that's this whole other subcultural world. That... Esports is huge. It'll be the biggest thing probably in the next 50 years, I reckon. Yeah. It's um, already is pretty big. You've got millionaires playing Dota and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but the irony of it is you love sport, you're basically a cripple. Yeah, thanks, Jim. <laughs> a basically cripple? a cripple, yeah. I've yeah, you're pretty... hobbling around the office all the time. I've got a pretty stuff. I nearly lost my leg, Jim, and you're just calling me a cripple. What happened? I had pretty stuff knee, so I had a um, knee radio which went off the rails and got a staph infection and a bone infection. Yeah. So I ran oh, six no. surgeries on it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Six I, I surgeries shouldn't I shouldn't yeah. be mean about it. So when Jim goes, oh, I can't play you because you're a cripple in squash and whatever, I'm thinking to myself, oh, if only I had my legs. Oh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> there might be a few elbows swinging and there might be a few shirt fronts. But the, the funny thing about it is just about everybody in this office who should be playing squash, like like was um, Paul had a had some sort of injury and, and uh, Craig did his ankle and stuff, and they had all these people who were surrounded by cripples. <laughs> This is what he says. This is like, this is this is what he says. He comes in and says, "Yeah, I can't play anyone. You're all crippled. You, you know, all the time injured and this and that." No, it's all in good fun. Do you get injuries? Are no, you ever crippled? No, never. Jim's a machine. He doesn't. He keeps no. in good shape. He I don't, I don't know how. I never. I never injured myself in any way playing sport. Yeah. So so flaggy. He's Neil Roden's gone here. Well, that went well. It went well. I think Jim secretly. You love getting involved in the forum. Obviously, you like that sort of challenging stuff and you can yeah, get involved. Yeah, I do, I do. Keep I do. it up, Flaggy. I'm just going to try and, and, and try my temper when I come <laughs> Keep it up. Um, Liz, Liz has gone, Blended is the movie, Jim. So I think that is the movie. It's called Blended. Blended, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Liz, what for tuning that in. The one that Jim was talking about, the oh, understanding of the family. I was at the best blended. of all time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Blended. Okay. I loved... Um... Oh, no, so she goes, sorry, it's just go with it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just, just go with it. it. Yeah, I thought it was right. just go That's the couple But I actually preferred... We watched a version of Jane Eyre the other night. That was that was really, really good. I watched yeah. it a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I love it. I love Jane Eyre. That's, yeah, that's a too. very, very moving story. I don't like stories, love stories. People hop into bed on their first... I don't comprehend <laughs> that kind of thing. Do you like Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Yes, I favorite. love Pride and Prejudice and, and, and Sense and Sensibility. Mm. I love Jane Austen films, actually. I haven't read the books for quite some time, but mm. the uh, the films I really, really like. Like them. Yeah, I love that Jane Eyre. I watched that not long ago. To, to me, I, I like the old-fashioned kind of thing where people just, you know, end with a kiss, this kind of stuff. You didn't have to show the rest of it. Says the man who got engaged after 10 days. Yeah. I guess that's probably... Well, we have had that. Well, that's the whole point. Is <laughs> 10 days. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hop into bed with people. Like, I want to, <laughs> I want to hop into bed with I've got to marry them first, which is partly accounts for why I haven't been so successful all the time. <laughs> I don't have that kind of, uh, I know, it's very, it's very, having three divorces isn't exactly fitting with my whole 
aim in life, I can tell you that. We I'm have that Jim's marriage counselling as well. The, um, yeah. Logo comps and visions. Yeah. He's like, don't ask me. I'll be don't ask me. Don't ask me about Jim. Oh, you've had a very successful marriage with Lee, though. Oh, yeah, this has been very successful. I think Lee is incredibly extraordinary. Amazing. She is just, she, you know, I often just, I just. How could I be so lucky? It's like it's like a good dream. It's, a, it's just like I'm going to wake up and find it's just some wish fulfillment fantasy. <laughs> 19 you, years. Yeah. 18 years. Eight? We just passed our 18th anniversary. Ah. In fact, yeah. this month was 18 years married. Ah, okay. We had Leon, um, I think, a couple of weeks ago. So if you want to watch that episode, guys, click into the videos and you can see Jim's wife there. That was a really good episode, actually. I really enjoyed it. Especially stuff about the cooking. We won't go back into that, but um, <laughs> that was that was quite funny. So I'll run through a few okay, comments on she, here. I just want to point she is yeah. a good cook. It's just that I don't want to eat the food she likes for herself. That was all I was... Yeah, just the Szechuan stuff. You didn't like the chilies and yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> so Slee is a really good cook. It's just that Jim doesn't like the chilies, so... That's all good. So I've run through a few comments here. John Egan's gone, go Bombers. I agree with you, John. I'm a Bombers man. Let's go Bombers. Hopefully they beat Joey G. Tomorrow with Marty Gleason coming back, they'll be a lot better. So Neil Roden's gone here. Darren, Darren Dwight says hello to Jim. He helped back in the old Hallett Cove days. So hello there to Darren. Now okay. Liz has gone, did you watch Game of Thrones, Jim? Yeah, I, I watched the first episode. I wouldn't mind watching the rest, actually. I just, it's sort of interesting. So I thought it'd be right up your alley, Jim. I thought you would love that Game of Thrones. It'd be more interesting if it was the actual Boars of the Roses. Right. It's a little bit improbable. You have this this vast wall that guards the north. It's sort of loosely based around the Wars of the Roses, actually, mm. the conflict between the House of York and Lancaster. Mm. So I, I watched the first, first series, and it was okay. Actually, if we got HBO or something, I'd probably watch the rest. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the video store today, actually, where they had they had a video box. store. There's still a video store getting around. Not not a video store. It's actually a like a you know where they sell videos and things. And there was a box like set of, of one. Oh, to okay, seven. yeah, like yeah. like JB. Like David, David one, yeah. one of those. Yeah. And and they had a box set. And I was thinking of buying it. It's 144 bucks, and it's a bit expensive. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. incredibly stingy, as 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 is well known. Well, this is one of the interesting things. You're very stingy yeah. for your personal things, but you're very happy to experiment on business. Oh, on business, yeah, exactly right, Catherine. That's what people don't understand. Mm. Like Jim might not give you two dollars for a sausage scissor, but <laughs> he might give you half a million dollars hey, for business. I give you lunch on Friday. Thank you very much. That's that's very true, and I won't, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. But on business, you're right. It's yeah, um yeah. very. Yeah. If it's a believing is an idea of business, if it's concept, business it's no or if it's science, time. yes. But on personal spending, yeah, I really don't, spending. I don't. I don't believe God gives us money to waste on ourselves. I think He means us to use it. It's 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 put in trust. Yeah, that's a really good one. So Mike Davenport's gone. He just signed up. Steve Bowles. I hopefully pronounced that right in the ACT. Give him a warm welcome to the group. So welcome, yeah, Steve. Welcome, Steve. Maybe some mowing. Now I'll run through here. Neil Roden's gone. How's the Volvo? Not, I think it's in the scrap heap, isn't it, the Volvo? Yeah, it would have worn out and gone. I, I wear my, I either, I either I wear my cars out or give them away to somebody. Like I gave one to my sister and one to my daughter, and apart from that, I just wear them until they fall to pieces. I think you've seen you driving the Nissan Navara around now, which is a bit different for you, the Ute, the blue Ute. You've driven that a few times? No, that's only because my car was in getting fixed. Right. So here we go. We've got a question on one of the live feeds here, which has gone, Melanie Garvey's gone, how do people find towing the dog wash trailers? Are they tricky to drive with? Well, I think that's on the Jim's dog wash feed, so they can tell you. Um, to my knowledge, I think they're fine. People driving the Jim's mm. dog wash trailers. Well, most been most any... dog wash people are women, actually, so they they, they do seem to pull fairly well. Obviously, yeah. it's not so much driving the trailer; it's backing it. That's yeah. The issue. Backing trailers is a challenge. I, I was not too bad at that when I was mowing lawns. You got quite good after a while, but it's 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 quite an art to back a trailer. Mm. And then Sue last week has gone one of the, one of the questions here. She's gone, "What about Jim's beauty spa slash retreats?" 
Oh. Eva, would you ever do that? No. no. Because, because it's a site-based, right? We, we don't tend to be good at site-based. Yeah. So that's a great question there. So what we'll but, do... But, but, but mobile beauticians and, and, and personal trainers, of course, we've got personal training, all those kind of things we'd love to do. We want a business where you go out to somebody. So if you want to do that, give us a mobile model. Yeah, and that's a question we always get. Why don't you do this? And they're always site-based mm. businesses. It's mobile, come to you. I know that the healthcare stuff, we really, like aged care services and all that sort of stuff where they go out to people in their homes is something we really want to do. So if anyone knows anyone, please get that one involved. The, the, yeah, the, the irony is that people see us as doing like everything. Like yeah. we, we completely understand everything. But in fact, we are extremely narrowly focused business. We work on service franchises where somebody goes out and offers a service to a customer at their location. Mm. And, and they're all very similar. It doesn't really matter whether it's bookkeeping or um, dog wash or cleaning or conveyancing or whatever it is. They're all very much the same kind of thing, the same kind of contracts, the same kind of customer service, same kind of fee structures. Mm. They're very, very similar. Mm. So we're, 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 not, we're actually a quite specialised business. And when we tried other things, it doesn't work. What would you like to see, Catherine? What, what would you like? What would, what would you think would be the next thing? What can you see that's come? What, well, I don't think I'm as do. creative as all the different people creating yeah. gyms. I definitely think that, you know, when I was growing up in the Yarra Valley, not far from here, and I'd see gyms mowing everywhere, and I didn't realise how many divisions there were until I saw Jim speak and met him for the first time. Right. So I think that's where this feeling of gyms everything comes from, because people just... A lot of people grow up with just, just seeing gyms mowing or maybe dog wash as well or a few others and then they're like, wait, hang on, there's all these others too. Yeah. But mind you, you know, you've been successful at the one thing that I really, really wanted to do at your age and, and it completely failed at. What? I wanted to be an author. Oh, yeah. Particularly of science fiction, actually. I was absolutely crazy to be a science. That was my yeah. great dream when I was like in late high school. Yeah. I used to, used to try and try and try to write. Never could get it done. Endless. Have you tried? As an adult? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, I don't have it. I just don't have the really? ability. Uh, some things I'm, I'm just not good at. I'd, I'd love to be a writer. I think you'd be good. I'd love to, actually, what I wouldn't mind doing is making films one day, because, because get other people to have the idea for it and have other people write the dialogue and stuff. I wouldn't mind doing that one day, mm. if I could. I've, I've, I've had well, them I've, in my head. I both wrote a novel for an awesome-ass guy who made his own film out of this story, so... Yeah, oh really? If you ever, yeah, it's amazing. What is it? It's really awesome. It's a romance. It's a, it's called Promised. It's amazing. It's um coming out later this year. His film. It's really good. But it's a Italian set in um, 1970 Melbourne. It's a really lovely, quaint romance story. But yeah, but he he self funded his own film. Maybe and did an I should amazing maybe job. I should work on that with you. This the next project after the. I don't know how to write films. No, 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 a book. If I give you the theme, I want Here we to go. happen, then you can yeah. write the actual, because I'm crappy with dialogues and codes and you know, all that kind of stuff. I think you're way better at this kind of stuff than you think, because you've read so much, and that's like, you know, It'd probably come out in your writing, wouldn't it, all, all your influences, I guess? Yeah, it might not be an yeah. idea, actually. I never know what might go on to. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, my, maybe my, my dream of my youth might be realised in some, in some form or other. Why not do it? There we go. Well, let's maybe talk about less now about the project that you're working on together now, actually. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about that, actually. Yeah. Well, do you want to take it away? Well, it's basically about franchising. Mm. I get incredibly... Because I, I care a lot for my own franchisees, and it's really my overwhelming fashion, passion in business is to make my guys and ladies successful. I shouldn't be <laughs> use generic terms. Um, when I see people getting ripped off so badly by other companies, it just really bugs me. And this whole thing with, with retail food group and Pizza Hut, and it's, it's just, 
it's, it's evil what they've done. People who've put hundreds yeah, of thousands of dollars, true. committed years of their life, they've been financially destroyed by these dreadful systems. And what's, what's dumb about it is that it's, it's pathetically useless as a way of doing business. Yeah. I mean, Pizza Hut's basically destroyed. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they've lost so many that, that I know they've sold out at a fraction of their normal their former price yeah. to, some, to some foreign yeah. company. Because they've just wiped it out because they didn't look after their franchisees. In my view, that's that's the fundamentals of franchising. Franchisee is your number one customer, mm -hmm. and it makes me furious when you see all this franchising codes and all the stuff, which are all garbage. The, the, the franchising code is the disclosure document. Is something that even a lawyer would struggle to understand. How on earth can it help a franchisee mm -hmm. to make a good decision? And I've every every time they've had these. Reviews, I've always said you need to do reviews of your franchisees and publish them. They take them every year, paid for by the franchise or review every franchise, survey them like we do with our franchisees, publish the results. You would do far more for the sake of franchising and zero cost to the franchisee than thousands of pages of the franchising code. So to give some kind of overall context, because Jim's gone into more nitty-gritties, um, Jim's writing a book and I'm helping him with some of the interviews of some of the franchisees who've gone through real hardship. Yeah. Um, but this book is really focused on basically taking stock of where franchising is today, the working in Australia. The working title is Franchising Reborn. So it's looking at the harsh reality of how much has gone wrong. And I've heard and interviewed people with horrific, really, really sad stories who've been destroyed by the franchise systems. Um, like their personal wealth destroyed, sometimes marriages are destroyed, it's it's really mental health, um, so it's it's really, really sad and a really big issue, and Jim's really wanting to capture those stories, highlight the problems, and mm -hmm. then give his solutions on how franchising could really hmm. be much better. And you're off the contributions still, aren't you? you oh, yeah, yeah. If, if anybody out there knows oh, yes. any stories about franchising, good or bad, but particularly bad, just yep. email me, jim and at jim.net, and, and I'll pass you on to Catherine. She'll talk about it. Anybody who knows anybody with, with bad experiences. We want to and, 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 well. and, and good too. And if you also yeah. know of a franchise or you've been in a franchise that was actually amazing and listened mm. to franchisees and looked after franchisees, we really want to highlight the ones that are doing well as well. So please, we'd love to interview we've, you as well. I think for them, McDonald's is probably an example of a, of a pretty good franchising system. Not, not, mm. I don't like the food, but I love the business. I love the way they <laughs> franchise. So... Mm. We would like to use people like that as an exemplar and say, okay, these people are doing the right thing mm. by their franchisees and they're successful as a result of that, not despite mm. it. Yeah. And that's what everybody should be doing. And here's the kinds of changes to the law that would make that really happen instead of ploughing more and more money yeah. into, into, into the pockets of, of lawyers. lawyers and business consultants. Mm. It's definitely a hot topic at the moment. Every time news.com, for example, there's always yeah. an article, as soon as there's one story current affair, whatever, it definitely picks up on it. So it's definitely yeah. a flavour of the... There are, there are simple yeah, ways yeah. to protect people. And a lot of the ones we've trialled in gyms, yeah. like the, 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 the surveys and, and like walk-away clauses. And, mm. and, and, and in terms of site-based franchises, things like stopping franchisors from raising the rents arbitrarily. They just mm. have no control. Everything is written. Everything is, is controlled by the franchisor. And we don't do that at gyms. And that's mm. why I think... The single major reason why we're successful mm. is because we look at it from the point of view of the franchisees. Even vetoing changes to the manual. And that's something mm. that we do in gyms. You, you, we cannot change the manual, franchise or a franchisee, with, if a majority of them object to it. Now, what's mm. wrong with that? If you've got a good system, majority of your franchisees are going to want to do it. Mm. Yeah. But to change it arbitrarily in a way that cripples the franchisee, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. So the contributions, gym at gyms.net. Now, what I wanted to do, we didn't touch on it last week. I know you had a, we wanted to do a joke. 
Now, I remember I, I told we were going to do a joke last week. I completely forgot due to we had some issues and stuff like that. So do you have a joke this week that maybe you can leave? We're going to call it hashtag Jim's joke. We're going to try and do one of each. Have you about the POW camp? No, you haven't. All right. I haven't heard that one. This yeah. is during the dark days of the Second World War when this prisoner of war camp in the heart of Germany and all these Allied prisoners are there. And the owner, the, the, the commandant of the, of, the, of the camp has this grandfather clock which goes tick-tock, tick-tock, and that's how he can sleep. He really needs this clock. And one day, the clock stops working and nobody can fix it. And this commandant is absolutely, he's beside himself. He cannot sleep. So he's, he, he, he gets all the prisoners to be brought up into the yard, into the exercise yard in front of his, where he sleeps. And he says, okay, I cannot sleep without my grandfather clock. And so you will be my clock. That's the word. I want you to go tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. And so I can sleep. All right, stop now. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tick tock. The word is talk. I want you to do it again, and this time we will get it right. Now, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tick. Ah! I'm giving you one last chance, prisoner. The word is talk. Again. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tick. Bring the prisoner over here. I'm warning you. We have ways of making you talk. <laughs> I didn't expect that one. I haven't heard that one. I, mean, I, I've, so I haven't heard that. that. I didn't expect the uh, the accent as well. The, uh, the That's the first time I've heard you do an accent. It's a good one. Not a bad one at all. Of course, I speak yeah. an Irish accent in a sort of way. <laughs> I do it for my children, and they get very upset at me. <laughs> That's quite good. That, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that not too bad at all. <laughs> so I knew that joke would be really good. And you know, a nice thing. Someone said he Colonel Clink. I don't know, yeah, yeah, back Colonel, in the Colonel Clink. Colonel Clink. You got Sergeant Schultz. Oh, I love, yeah. I love Schultz. Schultz. I see nothing. <laughs> I see nothing. <laughs> That's a ripper. I wish you had that one last week, but we got it out and I was a Or, good or um, what in, in Get Smart, um, Siegfried. Okay. I love Siegfried in Get Smart. You see, oh, it's remember. way before yes. your time, but it's way, way before your time. But Siegfried, I, <laughs> I love, love, love Siegfried. <laughs> so there you go. That was a great joke. Plus the voices. That was awesome. We'll try and do another one again next week, so make sure you tune in. Now, what I want to do is make sure we give these books away. Yes. So is there any questions or anything that marked down that you liked um, that you can remember to give these books to? Any yeah, questions, yeah. Catherine? Was there a question yeah, yeah. or something um, that stood out to you? The question about um, authors from history. Okay. Really yep. No worries. So I'll DM him. Yep. That's okay. you. And which one of you? And I like the one about the entrepreneurs in the ancient world. I think it was and the same person. Same was person. It? it was the same person for that no, one. No, was it? Yes, that was the same person. Sure? The, the person left two questions. And, and that, they won. And they were both them. So. Can we give them a Jim's book and a something else book? Um, I guess we can, if you want to do that. Would you, would you like this book as well? Just whoever this is. Yeah, we'll give him that book as well. That'd be fine. Now, the book I'm going to pick is I like Blake Brenner, who was the Parliament question, because oh, yes, the Parliament that Parliament question, question morphs into nightclubs and everything like that, which um, yeah, that was good. Which I really, which I really like. As I said, anything that gets us off a tangent um, is really good. So Blake Brenner on one of the other pages, DM us your details and get through there. Now, before we go, remember um, 
Hashtag Ask Jim is on again next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. I think we're going to try for a franchise all next week. Um, I don't know which one yet, so I'm going to reach out to someone and they'll be pretty well known and hopefully share their story, which is always good. Now, Catherine, for people to find more about you, obviously, just what's the best place? Um, very good question. Sorry, just signing You're right. Um, the, oh, my surname's such a, a nuisance. But the best yeah. way to find me is to type my name into Google. Um, and that's Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. And my surname is M-O-O-L-E-N-S-C-H-O-T. And if you punch in Jim's book, I'm sure Jim's yeah, book will come up Yeah, or just go Jim's book website. and like, my name yeah. will obviously come up that way. That's a good idea. Cool. And obviously that book is available from Amazon and... Is that, is that, is that book mentioned on our website? Yeah, definitely. It is. Of course. So if, you go, to, from if the website. you go to www.gyms.net, it will... It will uh, definitely. You, you can pick it up from there. Yeah. Definitely. Or you can email me and I'll, I'll pass you on to it. So Sue's gone here. Now, Sue, you've, so if you DM us your details, I'll get you one out there because you've been quite involved, so I don't have to do that. Um, remember, guys, we have a podcast called The Gym's Cast. All these are made into podcasts. I think we've got four episodes up. Head to iTunes or Spotify and check it out. Um, if there's any suggestions for the podcast or for this in regards to guests and stuff as well, feel free to leave in the comments. We're trying to get a lot more people on. Obviously, Catherine was probably the first person we've had tonight with great success outside of gyms, yep. which is great. So I thank you very much for your time. Um, and obviously, we're going to get these books out to people. And obviously, hashtag Jim's Logo Comp ends June 30, so make sure you get your logos in and upload them and use that. We'll announce the uh, early July, we're going to do a video and announce the winner. I've got a pretty good idea who's won that, but then the 20 runner-up prizes, we're going to have national staff pick their favourite one. So it's not a draw. People keep thinking it's a draw. It's not a draw. So the 20 runner-ups will be picked by national staff in here. Can I get to pick one? Oh, definitely you're going to get to pick one. And we're going to do a video about why you picked it and all that sort of stuff, and cool. we can make it some funny little services within that division. And then obviously the, the first prize winner goes to the one that had the most engagement on social media, which at the moment, um, I think it's Jim's Cob Loaf. That, that, thing, that thing's going off. So that will be most likely. I think winner. there's a bit of policy yeah. and manipulation going on there. I think somebody's organised this. With Jim's Cob Loaf? Yeah. What's the well, prize? The prize is um, flights here, dinner with Jim. We get your, your logo put on some merch and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And two nights out here. And you can pick the brain of Jim for as much as you want, some photos and all that, that sort of that, stuff. That's worth it's manipulating the results. That's a good prize. Well, it's worth know, fighting for. We said the most engagement and they got the most engagement by a They mile. did, they did. And it wasn't the most manipulated, it was definitely the smartest thing. So they done it on a page called Aussie Ads, which is around well, 500,000 Well, I tell you what, if, if somebody can game the system in some way and use their <laughs> network, that, that's the person worth talking to, I reckon. Exactly right. So they're the most lucky. And the 20 runner up prize is that's going to be really cool. So everyone's got a lot good chance of winning that. They're all going to be signed books as well. So sign books to those people and we'll do the announcement in early July, uh, early July about that and we'll notify awesome. you. Um, so thanks again, Catherine, for tuning in. Uh, much appreciated. Thank and thank you again tonight, Jim. This was, um, I love this one. This is probably one of our best ones. We've had nightclubs. We've had the notebook. We've had sergeant, We've had jokes about POW in German times and we've had accents in Scottish. Oh, we've had everything. So I can't wait to see the clips of this post. So thanks everyone for watching. We'll be back again next week at 7 o'clock Wednesday via this page and welcome to everyone on the other page as well watching. So until then, good night and thank you very much. Yeah, see you later. See you later. Thank you for listening to that episode of The Gyms Cast on The Gyms Network. If you want to see more of this type of content, make sure you let us know by following at The Gym Penman on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and also all the Gyms Group stuff on the various platforms. Also head to The Gyms Group YouTube channel and give us a subscribe. There's some great content there. Leave us some comments or questions about what you maybe want us to do on the show next, and we'll try and do that. Also head to gyms.net and you can learn more about Gym there. We hope to see you next time.